This is episode 39. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Welcome and thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy our little show here and that you find some value in all hazards. After all, you're devoting some time out of your busy day to push the buttons to stream or download, however it is you listen to it. So again, thanks. Hey, today we step a little outside the podcast box. We have four guests we interviewed on location to talk about the milestone just passed last week on the long road to recovery for Santa Rosa. That's over there in Sonoma County. The entire community of Coffee Park burned to the ground during the October 2017 wildfires there, but so much has been accomplished toward the goal of rebuilding and getting those folks back into new homes. It really is unbelievable. And to talk about all that, our guests today are Cal OES Director Mark Gillarducci, FEMA Region 9 Administrator Bob Fenton, Field Office Commander for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Colonel Eric McFadden, and the Federal Housing Task Force Lead Ryan Buris. They all comment on the milestone, the challenges they faced, including housing the thousands of people displaced by those fires, the path they took to pass that milestone, and finally, some advice for both citizens and agencies moving forward. So let's start with that major milestone in Coffee Park. That's right there in Santa Rosa, right now. Mark Gillarducci. Coffee Park was really... Um Really, the, the that milestone was important because it it, it, it was the the uh, ultimate in signaling that the recovery process is happening. The fact that the fire came down out of the mountains and crossed Highway 101 and and, and decimated Coffee Park was 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 a phenomenal uh, scene and uh, it was impactful for everyone. And um, I think it was so important for us uh, and I, I and I think we recognized early on that by getting Coffee Park cleaned up first and foremost, and, and, and getting that, that part of a city that was so devastated, uh, which is really the, the economic core uh, of, of that community, was going to be very, very important to get that milestone done. And, and it was a signal that we're, um, we're, we're, we're ready to you know, continue to move forward. Um, uh, but um, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy that the, to see that the reoperation is in the rearview mirror, at least in Coffee Park. Colonel McFadden. This is an incredibly huge milestone for all of our, our partners in this effort. Uh, what we see standing here today is a testament of the hard work and effort that's been done over the past three months to get to where we're at. And really, it's, it highlights that we've achieved a critical first step to assisting the uh, survivors of these fires and getting back and rebuilding uh, to get back to normalcy. Bob Fenton. Yeah, uh, this week's been a, another major milestone in the recovery uh, from the Northern California fires, having cleared over a million tons of debris and also completed the uh, debris cleanup in Coffee Park, which was uh, an area of substantial uh, fire damage to over 1,300 homes. It's a, a monumental task to do it in the time period that we were able to do it in over winter uh, and heavy rains, uh, difficult times. Uh, uh, with over some days with over 2,000 trucks moving in a day through the holidays. Uh, just a monumental task 
to get to where we are at today in the time that we've been able to do it. Setting of the metrics was very important to, to for a couple of reasons. One is that it made sure that uh, the community uh, that was impacted by the fire knew that the government was going to be as aggressive as possible to clean up that community and get it in a place where the community could begin to recover and get that community rebuilding again. Uh, it was very important from an economic standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, and so from that that standpoint, that the met, that metric was very important. The other the other reason why we had a very firm metric is that we wanted to aggressively move on getting the debris cleaned up. We knew that winter was coming. Um, you know, we we have not seen something uh, this large and this complex since the, the uh, you know, from the debris standpoint, since the 1906 earthquake. And so, um, you know, we wanted to get all hands on deck moving very, very aggressively. Uh, some thought it was a little too fast, but, but um, I kind of thought that that was Better to go large and fast uh, as much as possible, uh, and then as we got closer to the end, we, you know, we could we have a little bit more flexibility room. Well, uh, it's really taken a uh, really a whole community effort. Uh, it's taken the local elected leadership to get behind. It's taken the public uh, to uh, to be able to uh, withstand that many trucks in their neighborhood at one time, and to be able to work with us on it. It's taken the survivors to quickly get their rights of entry forms into us to allow us to move forward with this. Uh, it's taken the Corps of Engineers and state agencies uh, to come together um, to go ahead and not only remove the hazardous materials, uh, but then to uh, remove the debris. It's taken uh, dump, the dumps to work with us to bring in extra, um, extra uh, scales in order to uh, allow more throughput of trucks. So it's really been a team effort uh, of the whole community from the those that actually lost their homes to uh, the public community to uh, government at all levels. Next up, what were some of the biggest challenges they faced once the fires had died down and the recovery process began? Mark Gillarducci. So it's been an unprecedented period for us. We've been extremely busy. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, certainly the catastrophic events in, in the North Bay. Uh, and then we saw um, um, not as extensive, but certainly still in a catastrophic nature. First in, in Southern California, in, in uh, Ventura, you know, where we had you know, over a thousand structures uh, that were lost in and, and San Diego County. And then, and then, uh, and then the, the unbelievable mudslides that took place uh, in Santa Barbara. And uh, th this is, again, a, a unique set of, of, of conditions that we've had to sort of pivot and respond to. And again, it's all designed to support that local authority, that local community, that city, that county, of being able to 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 re recover and uh, and uh, you know um, in Santa Barbara the challenge has been a different kind of debris. It's been heavy, thick mud, but also huge boulders and trees and all kinds of things. It's 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 catch basins and channels, but a tremendous amount of of homes that were literally destroyed, not completely you know, by fire, consumed by fire, like we saw in the other parts of the, of the state. But here, there's still pieces of the homes, personal items that are all in mixed into this, into this mud. We need to work with those folks to, to help them recover their, their family heirlooms and some other critical uh, pieces of information. So um, it's a little bit of a different, different challenge, uh, but nonetheless, uh, 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 all hands on deck there and, and working very closely with our local governments to be able to meet the challenge. 
Colonel McFadden. Uh, numerous challenges, a lot of complexities associated with this operation. Uh, first and foremost, every single parcel, and rightfully so, is private property. And because of that, there are concerns uh, about entry onto a private property. And you, uh, we basically take on uh, an agreement with the property owner through the county and through the state, uh, rights of entry. And once we have rights of entry, some of the complexities associated with concern of household hazardous waste and what EPA has done in removing household hazardous waste. And then highlighting once EPA is complete, uh, moving on to do the removal operations, but considering that the material may be contaminated, treating all material that's removed as contaminated material. So it's all the way from the removal of that material to the transport of the material, ensuring that the air quality is monitored properly and that uh, really prevent any type of uh, contamination outside of the ash footprint. Bob Fenton. Yeah, the volume of the debris generated from this event has just been uh, of uh, enormous proportions. Uh, it equals uh, twice the weight of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I think that, um, you know, when you think of a fire disaster, you think of ash, but also, all the concrete foundations are damaged in an event like this. Uh, we had to remove soil in order to make sure there were no hazardous materials like asbestos and other materials in there. Um, and, and we did that in a way that we made sure that we recycled what we could recycle as we uh, went through the removal process. But just an enormous amount of material removed uh, in a short period of time. As I said, uh, some days over 2,000 trucks on the road removing. Uh, material uh, to multiple dumps, sometimes uh, going to dumps 50 miles away just because of capacity uh, and the sheer number uh, of trucks and volume on the roads. Uh, so uh, to coordinate that, uh, to make it all happen uh, is, is really an unbelievable task. And again, you know, all levels of government, including the public, uh, are responsible for us being able to get here and really uh, help us help them by helping them start the recovery and getting them to uh, be able to rebuild and get their life back in uh, order. Mark Gillarducci. Debris operation and debris cleanups are very, very complicated, complex operations. Um, it's not as simple as just going in and, and scooping up um, uh, material. First, you have you know, a, a huge concerted effort to remove all the household hazardous waste, hazardous materials, and we had to get all that done. And then we had to come in and, and ensure that uh, homes weren't uh, uh, covered with asbestos, and those that were covered with asbestos, we had to remediate that. Um, then we had the process of bringing in all this heavy equipment. Uh, you can only get so many trucks and so many loaders and so many uh, excavators in an area safely uh, uh, at any one time. And even though, you know, we, we always push to get more uh, and, and faster, uh, we had safety to balance off with. And, uh, you know, we, we had some accidents and, and we constantly had to be addressing the concerns, the, uh, you know, balancing safety versus speed, uh, safety versus uh, the number of people, uh, and all of those, those are some of the challenges. Then there was, um, you know, we, we, you know, the, the federal government contracts with uh, uh, private contractors. There were some contract disputes. We had to work through those contract disputes, um, and you know, ultimately, the state uh, did step in to um, to uh, formalize a, a state contract to final, put the final streamline on the on the efforts to to make sure that the. Um, that the program was was completed. So, uh, you know, we had some issues with the landfills. Um, you know, uh, the, we had holidays uh, come through the the Christmas holiday. Uh, even though we were pushing hard, uh, you know, it was the holidays. And and uh, and and while it was very difficult and 
and emotional for the people who had lost. There was also all those people who had been working literally seven days a week, nonstop, and, and they needed some time off. And so we had some days uh, that we, we had to take that into account just to slow or stop operations. And then finally, the weather. Uh, there, were, there were weather con considerations, um, and uh, uh, it hasn't been that big of a problem, but there have been a few cases where a few times we've had either slow or stop operations uh, due to weather, and that gets back to the safety issue. Bob Fenton. Uh, so in order to uh, clean things up, first of all, we need to make sure the area is safe. We need to set the conditions that we could move forward and start the rebuilding process. And now that we've cleaned up uh, major areas, uh, and for example, the coffee park area, now building permits could be issued to start the rebuilding. And we're starting to see building permits being issued now. And it's just a matter of time till you start seeing foundations being poured uh, and, and houses being built. And uh, we look forward to that because of, as we look past in previous disasters or fire disasters, it's taken us years to get to this point and to be able to get to this point where we're actually starting rebuilding within months after a fire of this magnitude is a enormous task. Colonel McFadden. Coffee Park was a critical first step. It, it was a primary number one focus area as highlighted by the county as well as the state. However, we had continuous uh, removal operations across all four counties. And the good news is now that Coffee Park is complete, those crews that have been working here are moving on forward to other focus areas, and that allows us to expedite our schedule and complete as soon as possible. Mark Gillarducci. This is a one team, one fight, you know, all hands on deck effort. There, there is no linear pathway to being able to, 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 to complete a debris operation like this. Um, you know, we knew at the state uh, that this was of such magnitude, of such, uh, of such scope and scale, uh, that we needed to turn and, and to the federal government and get their assistance. And FEMA has been a, a, an absolute phenomenal partner in this. And, and they turned to the Corps of Engineers. And the Corps of Engineers, you know, they also, they, they do flood fighting operations. They're, they're tasked with, with debris operations under the, under the federal uh, disaster uh, management programs. But, but their context has always been really hurricane debris. This is the first time uh, of this scope and scale that they've had to engage in. So it was a learning lesson for them as well. But, but they've also stepped up and been a great partner with us. Uh, the magnitude is truly significant. Uh, when you look at over the past few months where we've been and where we're at now, uh, two days ago we went over 3,000 parcels completed of debris removal operations to highlight uh, 2,300 here in Sonoma County alone. That puts us at roughly 65% complete uh, of this entire operation and, and moving forward as deliberately and expeditiously and safely as possible. Um, and um, uh, US EPA, phenomenal. They, they stepped up, they got on it. Uh, they move very, very fast uh, to be able to rapidly clear um, uh, 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 parcels. We could not move forward with the debris operation until the US EPA com 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 completed their operation. Um, and then our, our partners at the Cal Recycle, uh, the California Environmental Protection Agency, uh, their expertise um, coming in to support us. And then, and then really, um, uh, uh, first and foremost is the community itself. Um, these are, these, you know, all disasters are local. You know, what we're doing here is to help this community. We are working to get this community back up, uh, get, get, get it rebuilt and, and, and moving on. And, uh, and, uh, and that can't be done without the community engagement. That's the, the citizens uh, of, of Santa Rosa and Sonoma County and Lake and Napa and, 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 uh, and uh, Mendocino. And, and it's the county government, it's the city government. Um, it's all of them working together on the same 
same page. It's our state legislators uh, who have all been fantastic and our federal legislators, our members of Congress and the Senate. Everyone focused, laser beamed on helping to get this thing done. It has been a phenomenal uh, effort of, uh, of all hands on deck. The union of effort for this has been amazing. Uh, we look ourselves as one team moving forward and the team focus is all about getting the survivor back to their sense of normal, normalcy as efficiently and as effective as possible uh, to assist them in the rebuilding effort so that they can get on with their lives. In this next segment, FEMA's Ryan Buris knows what it's like to lose a home. He lost his and he'll talk about that as well as what he faced with trying to find the thousands of displaced residents a place to live. I'm from Katrina, so I actually lost my home in Katrina, and that was a devastating event, of, of uh, course. Uh, but the scope of this disaster, even though we might not have housed uh, as many, uh, even from the other hurricanes uh, in uh, 2017, um, when you go home and you see nothing, uh, everything's burned to the ground as a survivor, uh, not only your home, your whole entire community, everything that you've known for 20, 30 years is gone. Um, the scope of that is just, it's, it's just something I have not seen before. Uh, definitely not in a uh, flood event. Um, and the rebuild for that is going to be a long time. It's not going to be a year. I mean, the rebuild for this fire is going to take several years, uh, probably three to five years. And that's uh, fast if it happens that quickly. So, uh, but if, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, if you have a family of two and you're 40 years old and you go home and there's nothing there, your uh, babysitter's home was lost, uh, your mother's home was lost, your mother might have died that lived in that same block. Uh, that's a really, really tough event. The first thing we did uh, was A, to ensure that the state of California um, was approved housing assistance on the direct housing side. So the very first week what we did was collect data, uh, very important, uh, and we collected that from Cal OES. Um, and uh, we collected data and we put a uh, memo together uh, with the, uh, you know, from the state and we got that approved for uh, direct housing assistance. Once that was approved, our mission was how do we find uh, apartments, how do we find carpet lodging, how do we find places to put mobile homes, travel trailers uh, in a very short time frame. Um, and that's what we did. I think the magnitude here was, you know, we had thousands of people that was relying on their local government uh, for a uh, response. Um, now. You know, while we housed uh, roughly over 200 people in our units, we gave a lot more money out in rental assistance, but I think the magnitude of what we did here, which we have not done before, was we allowed uh, the local community, the elected officials from the local government, uh, to be aware of what was going on at all levels of the operation so they can speak to the survivors uh, on, on a consistent basis. That is not the norm. And I think the magnitude of having local government involved in, you know, from day one uh, is a huge accomplishment. So they hit their target goals, but how did they get there? What did it take and what planets had to come into alignment? Ryan Buris. One thing that was done here, uh, the uh, governor uh, had you know, several executive of, of orders that waived most of anything that was gonna impact recovery. That does not normally happen. So in other states where you uh, have uh, recovery, you're still trying to overcome uh, uh, those laws that are currently in place. This particular uh, state and county, within a month, they had executive orders. Uh, counties were already uh, voting on uh, allowing temporary trailers on, on uh, people's lots. That, that, is, that is not the norm. So while it's expected, and you would expect that, um, it actually worked here, but it started with the uh, state. Bob Fenton. We uh, came in and we have a, a unified coordination group with uh, FEMA and the state, uh, California Office of Emergency Services, uh, to include many other state agencies and federal agencies that uh, coordinate over all the counties, uh, support 
uh, to them uh, in response to the fires, whether it be uh, on the response end or the recovery end. And then as we get into the recovery, what we did is establish specific task forces, uh, both at the state federal level, but more importantly, at the county and local level, because all disasters start locally, they end locally, and they need to be involved in making critical decisions for their counties based on those impacts. So we had the counties establish as task forces uh, that uh, where they were able to uh, direct the type of support uh, that they would need. And then, then we were able to coordinate uh, and bring together the federal and state resources in order to meet uh, their needs uh, efficiently uh, and effectively and make sure that uh, we were all accountable to meeting uh, their goals. Uh, the fact that we had a housing task force uh, co-led from the state and also FEMA, uh, while we have done that in the past, the relationship that uh, FEMA and myself had with my colleague from uh, Cal OES, Tina Curry, was remarkable. Uh, normal operations, there's a lot of uh, tensions going on between uh, the federal government and state government. Um, and normally that's more difficult to get down to the county government and to be one team. Here, since we were connected uh, so jointly from day one, uh, going down to the local government, which we both agreed to, within two weeks of the fires, uh, Tina and I, uh, we were already talking to the elected officials in each county. Um, that is not normal. And it's normally not normal because you don't have that true partnership uh, from day one uh, in the state of California and FEMA did here. Bob Fenton. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, the most important thing is not only to have a, a clear system that has command and control, and California is unique where the state, uh, by law, uses the State Emergency Management System, uh, SEMS, and, and from that requires the use of the Incident Command System. And so using a system uh, that has a, uh, that's a common system to the state of California for command and control and ensures unity of effort over all levels of government uh, is really critical uh, and definitely uh, the reason for success in an event like this. And it allowed us to move forward uh, fast, uh, everyone understanding the structure, uh, establishing the incident action plan that had specific objectives and tasks with resources against it uh, to meet critical milestones to move forward in order to enable the recovery, to set dates uh, to get out to the public uh, and set dates for rights of entry to be collected early in November, to get the contracts in place uh, and the monitoring and management uh, and get the trucks on the road to re remove the debris, uh, to have uh, EPA get out there and look at household hazardous waste uh, and remove uh, critical threats as far as asbestos and other hazards uh, quickly and to be able to do that in a way that we communicate to the public uh, throughout this effort, uh, either by putting information at their property or creating uh, websites and, and onward communication through uh, media outlets and social media. So uh, the command and control is critical uh, for an operation of this magnitude to be successful. I think the only time you would see an event of this magnitude, uh, and the only time we've seen it in California, is really uh, the 1906 earthquake. And this has given us a lot of lessons learned uh, to prepare us for the next earthquake, to, uh, for the type of operation, the size and the magnitude of almost 10,000 structures uh, destroyed uh, from this event and over 6,000 homes. So, um, so we will uh, make sure that we uh, continue to work together uh, with our partners uh, to ensure that we finish and complete the debris uh, removal process in the next month ahead. Colonel McFadden. 
there is plenty of work to be done and it continues with the good weather. Uh, we continue to do incredible amount of work every day. Mark Gillarducci. You know, really it's continuing to, to ultimately get the debris finalized, get them all cleaned up, and, and we are on, on a good track on that. I mean, there's gonna be some outliers, uh, you know, weather considering very complicated areas up at Mendocino, uh, areas, homes that are crossing uh, uh, at other side of rivers or streams where you have to get a bridge rebuilt to get into them, get the, the hard to get heavy equipment up there. Napa's got a few of those as well. Getting those get uh, uh, completed, and then uh, really, it's it's really starting that um, starting that rebuilding process. And the, the county, there's a there's a housing task force at the, the county, and of all the counties, they've all been working with the state, with our with our with our governor's office and the state department of finance uh, to craft as many uh, different programs and, and support mechanisms as possible. But it's ultimately get, get getting those homes rebuilt again and, and getting that community moving forward. Finally, the finish line is a little closer, but still way off in the distance. So what's next? And what advice do these gentlemen have for both the community and agencies alike? Ryan Buris. I think just knowing, uh, just knowing the information, just knowing the process, uh, going down to the county level and having their uh, county elected government be able to speak to the survivors when they come to the office, instead of saying, you know, I don't know the answer. I don't know the process. Let me call the state. Let me, let me call FEMA. That may take a day or a week. They could actually communicate from day one. And communications and emergencies are so important. Uh, much more so uh, in many cases of just getting a home. Um, uh, because at least you know when you can get the home. You know when debris is going to be removed. Uh, and you know that your elected officials actually know what they're talking about. And that's crucial here. Preparedness is key, and so often, you know, we put so much time and effort in FEMA and, and even the state in uh, preparedness. The local governments, uh, it's tough to prepare. Uh, uh, they have limited funds and limited staff to do so. However, uh, I do think it's extremely important uh, to have a housing plan. Um, so many communities, I would say the majority of communities, do not have a housing plan. So if I was the county elected official of a town uh, that, 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 that was not impacted from the 2017 events, um, I would sit back with, with uh, my team and my community and say, okay, if we lost half of our community, what is our you know, housing plan? Where are we going to put people for sheltering? How are we going to rebuild? I think that's extremely important. Stay connected with, 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 with the uh, community. Um, uh, don't lose hope. Um, uh, hope is a big thing right now, uh, but really stay, stay uh, connected. When your town have, have a town hall meetings, attend them. Uh, if you don't have an answer to a question, go. If you have an idea, more importantly, if you have an idea of how you want your community to be rebuilt, go to your local builder uh, authorities and let them know that. But more, just, just, just uh, keep up fighting, be strong, and just have hope. Mark Gillarducci. None of this is a sprint. This is all a marathon. And um, I think, uh, the, uh, you know, intuitively, people think that they, you know, this should go faster, that the sense is it should go faster. I, I can tell you that we are collectively moving, uh, uh, we are setting a new bar on the speed at which we have responded to these things. Uh, there is no other state in the country, the states that have been hit by major hurricanes in, uh, in Texas and in, uh, in Puerto Rico and in Florida are, are not even, you know, close to where we're at today, and, and our events happened after theirs. Uh, the bottom line is that um, uh, this is a this. There are tough days and long days. Um, this is there's no one slacking back. Uh, everybody's on it, and um, and again, this is why we, it's important that that the that the community and government are closely aligned to ensure that uh, that uh, we're working together, get that message out, and and working to to make this a successful operation. Everything comes together faster and more effectively when communities and governments work 
together. And in the end, people get what they need more quickly. And that's what every one of the people at every agency involved in this keeps in mind. I've seen it. They repeat it at the beginning and end of every day and at every meeting in between. They have your back. I want to give special thanks to my colleagues in the Office of Public Information, Brian May, John Larimore, and Kelly Houston for conducting these interviews, and to the rest of the gang, Brad Alexander, Rob Mayberry, Monica Vargas, Adria Wells, and Jonathan Goodell. And a special thanks to you, the listener. We wouldn't be doing it without you. And remember, you can subscribe to the All Hazards podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And we're always interested to hear what you have to say. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at questions at caloes.ca.gov. One more time, questions at caloes.ca.gov. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sean Boyd. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.